Hello, everybody. Momentous day here on the podcast. If you're listening to this on the audio Latin? RSS feed, then everything is exactly the same. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can know that this is the first show that we're recording as a live stream just for our patrons. So we have a mighty three patrons in the audience right now who we're not going to interact with. We're not trying to change the way the podcast is done. I'm nope. not going to say anything to them as they talk. I can see the little red bubble that says one know, comment in there. driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is a huge mistake. <laughs> driving me insane. <laughs> but this is the way it's going to be. So I just if you guys clicking my eyes on it. <laughs> Do we get it? It's still there. It's too damn. <laughs> still there. I, I compulsively clean the little, I turn off the notifications on my phone because I can't stand to have the little bubbles pop up on me. Uh, uh, so, but I, I, I would swipe them away if I had the choice here. But yeah, we're going to be doing this. Oh, I see. Never mind. So we're so gonna how do you know if anybody's this. ever texted you? If you, but I know what you mean when they don't. Yes, come well, up on the phone. I, I don't want them to show on the corner as a little yeah. red circle that says I have one thing to do in Instagram or something. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing this as a live show. The new way that the podcast is being recording is we're live streaming it for the patrons. So if you're a five dollar and up patron at Patreon.com/slash The Penske File, you can you can sort of watch these things as they happen, which is to see how the sausage is made behind the scenes, and then you can leave comments in the little chat. And at the end of the show, we do our post show where we answer a couple of the questions, and we put that up as a new episode on Thursdays, just on YouTube. It's not on the podcast feed. So if you want to do that, you want to join in, patreon.com slash the Penske file. You can watch us record the podcast for whatever thrill that's worth for you, you sick fucks. And the, the rest of it will just go to Patreon and then YouTube and all that stuff. So if, if you have a question you want us to answer at the end, write and start your question in the comments by saying, riddle me this and then a colon. <laughs> so we know it'll be easy we for know us it's to a true, a true question. <clears throat> all right. So here we are, Clay. We are going to talk about Displaced, the latest episode of Star Trek Voyager. It Great is the band. 24th. It's a, um, I think it's a rancid song called This Place. And I kept saying the title, Displaced. <laughs> Displaced. This is the 24th episode of the third season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on May 7th, 1997. Written by Lisa Klink. It's a f- name that I feel has been popping up a lot. Directed by Alan Croker mm-hmm. in Universe Date 50912.4, which is 2373. In this one, Voyager crew members begin disappearing one by one, <laughs> being replaced by aliens as they are displaced in time and space. What'd you think about this one? Hot off the heels of Distant Origin, which we both kind of liked and thought was the best episode of the season so far. I might be putting words in your mouth, correct me if I'm not, but what'd you think about Displaced? Well, I want to I want to come in hot for the first live stream we've ever done on this mm-hmm. podcast and say that uh, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, it's just fine. Just <laughs> it <was> all right. <laughs> we're, we're shrugging for all the people on YouTube now. Um, was it just fine? Was it less than fine? <laughs> <laughs> is, my, is, my, is my question to you? I, I, really, I don't know. I really like, like the first ten minutes. I thought the first ten. Yeah. This is a um. Is this a is this a Voyager thing? I was trying to. I I thought that this was a Voyager thing. Although thinking back, I have a hard time discerning separate Voyager episodes now, and I don't know if this is actually a Voyager thing or if it's something else that happened. But I feel it's a real Voyager trait to have an idea and. The idea, like if I read the log line of the episode, mm-hmm. I have a totally different imagination as to the structure of the episode and how this is going to deal with the log line that's describing it to me. Yeah. And I really thought that this was an episode that 
it was going to be more of a spooky mystery for much longer than it is. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's really it's like it's this Voyager thing of they come up with a kind of novel idea for a hijacking the ship thing, right? It's like the way that you hijack the ship is kind of a novel idea. Mm-hmm. But after that's done, it just becomes a like run and gun, how do we get out of here situation? Like we'll find those alien bastards and we'll shoot a phaser at them and then we'll save everybody. And there's no... um. There's no like weird mystery that deals with the what is it like to have people disappearing from the ship all the time, you know, right. and like being like, and I don't know. D- does that make any sense? Does that feel like a Voyager thing or is this just like a, am I giving Voyager undue blame for something that's existed longer than Voyager's been around? Um, <clears throat> well, when I read, I didn't read the blurb on, on Voodoo. Or I should say I caught like maybe the first sentence or so. And it, I thought that it said something about, uh, the doctor needs to figure out why people keep disappearing from the ship. Yeah, and and that's not what happens in the show. So maybe no. I read it wrong. But uh, half Wes, of, the, I think half of that happens. I think you're forgetting that the real thing this episode is about is about bringing uh, uh, Tom Paris and Belana Torres together, which they yep. do in two scenes in the show, <laughs> three maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you've is that the is that the I don't. I wouldn't even say that's the the primary thing that I take away from it. I, I guess you could take that away from it. That this is sort of a lead in to to all that stuff. Did you? Was that everything you were expecting from the episode? I suppose. <clears throat> no, because I I think they do. I think they ha- they had a good opportunity to really get into that stuff, but they don't. They they end up airing on the side of run and gun sci fi thing. Um. Because I think there, there's a way you could do this episode where your focus lies mainly on Torres and Paris, um, trying to figure out what's going on on their on their side while they are interacting and and uh, trading. <laughs> well, they're changing their Facebook with status. Each other. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're updating their relationship status to, but it's conflicted or whatever. Like it's it's. It's clearly in there, but it's not an. It doesn't take enough prominence for it to be what the episode is about, and so the rest of it just turns into this, like you said, a run and gun thing. Where I actually paused it towards the end because I needed to get up and, and get a drink or something, and I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked to see how much, how little time was left. Yeah, and I yeah. and knowing the show, I was like, oh, this is just going to be. They fix the problem, and then that's it. Like this, this isn't about anything. Right. Um, I thought I had missed something earlier. Maybe when the woman, when when we first cut to the prison, and the woman kind of explains what's going on, I thought maybe I missed a larger ethos outside of this is how we attack people. But no, same same for me. I I thought I I thought I fell asleep during the scene where the aliens were like, "Here's what this is about." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for the scene where it's like, you don't understand. We need to do this for some reason. Vampire energy. Never, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It never came. No, um, it's just this is how they fight wars, and they've somehow picked a war against Voyager. For did I miss that? Why did they I, declare war on Voyager? I don't know because they were there. Because I don't know. Maybe because they wanted the ship. Pick a reason. Doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. No. I. I had a similar thing. I, I I thought I had missed it. I thought I had missed like what this was all supposed to be about. And I another thing I thought I missed is 
I couldn't under, maybe they explained this and I did miss it, but did they explain why the abductions happen like every 17 minutes or whatever it is? I think they, I believe it is because uh, something to do with the. They have to like recharge their wormhole or something. Yeah, like, that? like the, the machine. I, what's really funny is that we can't check the comments and someone's probably screaming <laughs> at us what the answer is. But uh, it, it has something to do with like, yeah, they can't, They the, the thing isn't powerful enough to, for them to do it all at once or something like that. So they have to do it in, in increments. Okay. All right. Well, the, the reason we're not looking at the live comments is, is it would change our our lack of knowledge about Star Trek, which is yes. kind of the defining trait of the podcast. So this yes, time. I, I, um, this it's it's really it's it's another Voyager where they they couldn't even stumble into making it about anything really, and like I'm well the the like the abduction is cool and the. That's kind of a neat way for an enemy to take over a ship. It doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense because you have to write in this like, yeah, the gun is only powerful enough to take one person instead mm-hmm. of everybody at once. And it's kind of a countdown to destruction or whatever. But it's fun. I like the I like the early scenes of like Chicote trying to check in with people and no one starts no one's answering after a while and you're like, yeah, Oh, they're gone. Fuck them. Um I I really uh felt bad for the ensign. <clears throat> who got the worst actress to the of bridge. <laughs> yeah because that was her big moment and she did not deliver the way her character did <laughs> when she gets uh, shot by the phaser is that what you're talking about or just, just her, dialogue okay yeah everything where she where he's like this is uh, your big chance it's Ensign. your big chance and she's like yes thank you it is <laughs> thank you commander commander janeway fuck well we got no thank time you. to do that one thank you commander chakate <laughs> she um even her acting of taking the phaser blast was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. That was that was the worst. That was the worst phaser blast I've ever seen. But yeah, she was not very good. But I, I you know, I because I think this episode is referred to as Die Hard in Star Trek. And it would be if the entire episode was about Chicote was the only one left right. on the ship for some yeah. reason. Or the the doctor was because the doctor's a hologram and he can't be beamed off the ship, you know? That would make mm-hmm. sense. But it's. I wouldn't even say the opening gets to diehard levels because you, he, Chakotay never has to hide from anyone. He's just running around yeah. the ships, like trying and to destroy things. I did really like the scene where they finally get him, and he's like, "Ah, you got me. I know what I'm doing." <laughs> <laughs> Beam me at it. <laughs> he tried. He tried to melt down the conduit chips or whatever. But yeah, I mean, did you? It's another one of these episodes where I have to ask you the question: Did you want the Tom and Bolana story to be? primary focus of this or did you want um more of the displaced mystery as to what was going on uh now we're doing this okay um yeah i don't know controlling the camera i'm doing it (laughs) i uh i i i think if they're gonna do the tom and balana thing they gotta do it and i i guess this is the biggest step forward they've taken with it um and I think the the displacement thing could have been more interesting. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer for you because I think the way that they do both of the things in this show are kind of flat for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't say that I would prefer one over the other in the way that they're like, if I were to prefer the displaced thing, I think it would need to be a different, they would need to approach it differently and, and do different stuff with it. Yeah, because I I just I think that Voyager is a displaced 
show. It, it's it's sure. if it has a strength, it's that the strength is that it it belongs to like the sci-fi the sci-fi gimmick thing is something that Voyager at least does passably every once in a while. Like it comes up with a kind of a novel idea about how to tell a story or to like a, an idea that hasn't yet been seen in a franchise that's done pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, um, it's character work is really not very good at the same time. Like the, the Tom and Bellana stuff doesn't really work very well. They're, they're sort of fine with um, characterization in terms of like each individual character. But like Tom and Bolana aren't exactly characters that pop off the screen at this point in the show, so you know them being together is is one thing, but it's it's not particularly enticing. I, I just think that it felt really like the displaced abduction storyline was strong enough to carry the whole thing. Because what's what's the episode we did recently, the, the real life episode, right, where that bizarre B plot was stuck on to the doctor holographic family where the, they're like in a oh, space sure. tornado or whatever. It's an, I, I think it's another case of the show in the production room and the writer's room doesn't know where the story is. Mm-hmm. It, it feels, it feels like the, the production process is just come up with a B plot, come up with an A plot, kind of stick them together and there's no sense of as you're crafting the script to go, you know, this B plot kind of sucks. Like maybe we should just, the yeah. A plot is kind of good. Maybe we should do something with the A plot, but this B plot is five minutes and that's all we need. Instead, yeah. the show just splits it 50-50 and says you can get both. You have both of these things because our audience seems to like the character stuff and it seems to like the sci-fi stuff. So what do you what do you want to do? What do you, how are you supposed to do this? Well, you know, I, th- I think in, as I've been thinking about it now, <clears throat> I think there's a way they could have done beefed up both things and it's pretty simple you don't really have to change that much where you just make paris and bolana the last two on the ship yeah and yeah. so everybody's disappearing and then those two are forced to work together and forced to you know do whatever they're doing in the in the snow room <laughs> but on on the <laughs> ship on, on instead <laughs> yeah and i mean you know you could <clears throat> you could delay showing where they go when they get beamed out, so there's more yeah. of a tension as to whether or not they're even alive or whatever, you know. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I think that I think it's a simple adjustment to make this a, a more engaging episode. That's about more than it is. Yeah. Um, but as it stands, it's like yeah, it's it's fine. Like it, it's again, I think it's a it's a down the middle Voyager thing where it's like sure, if you want 45 minutes of Star Trek stuff. It's fine, I guess. It is. I I found This is the, why we're the number one podcast. <laughs> I found Hot I takes. found I found the second half to be really boring, honestly. Yeah. Like it, I thought it I thought it did enough to knock it down from like it was like oh this is like not just an average episode, this is actually kind of a bad episode. Um but it's just the Because there is that, like people, people would kind of say it's like it's like it's an episode that you just like you just kind of have it on, and it's it's start it's doing Star Trek things, I guess, and it, it kind of is in the second half. But I this uh, this franchise leap they made to resolutions of episodes just needs to be the crew running around, like looking for a button <laughs> to press is. Yeah. It was a it's a bad franchise direction to go because Enterprise does this much more often than Voyager does. Yeah. I would say like this is a real Enterprise trick to have this be the way that your story pans out. 
Um, but it's it's like the only way I could get around or like the only way that I would enjoy this is if you take the if this show had characters that I actually really liked, I would say I'm loving this running around with each other shooting right. laser stuff right. because you know it's quippy. There's stuff to, there's stuff going on. The characters are funny with each other, but none of the characters um are interesting enough to me on Voyager, at least in their interactions with each other, where that's something that I would want to watch all the time. It's just yeah. it's it's just you know Janeway says, well, we gotta find this thing we're on a ship and you go okay and then they run around Tuvok runs around the doctor runs around everyone runs around but there's no quippiness there's no stress there's no maquis angle where like some people don't get along anymore everyone gets along so they just kind of run around with each other and act happy I mean Tuvok and Chakotay bond over actually that was probably my favorite scene is when Tuvok and Chakotay are talking and when they were bonding over the uh, academy I was like, well, this is kind of weird because I mean, Chakotay's a Maquis guy, but I mean, I know he—they're—they're they're all former Starfleet. Starfleet, and two. But but then when Tuvok was like, actually, no, I lived in the wilderness for four months with just a knife. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's that's good. I'm I like this scene now. <clears throat> I, you know, and it's it's not that it never happens. The Doctor occasionally has funny. I thought that the um, in a very in a very Star Trek way, I think that uh. Bolana yelling at Kim about like, am I hostile? I'm not fucking yeah. hostile. Like I, that's Star that Trekky, like and that, that feels kind of funny. Uh, so the show can do it. It's just that the the Bolana and the Harry thing is a good example of like, I need that kind of stuff in the second half episode part. I don't need it in a kind right. of throwaway scene in yeah. the opening part because it they, feels like you're just wasting your fastball. They really, they really uh, dropped that stuff in the yeah. second half when when they did have Paris and Torres together they didn't really do any more of that Sam and Diane stuff the way that they were kind of doing <clears throat> that's a very old reference for you kids out there yeah um the way that they were doing at the beginning of the show yeah well they don't have time because you got to run around right yeah you but like, I yeah they had one good scene that I, I actually really liked where the doctor, it was the three of them, uh, uh, Paris and Torres and the doctor. Yeah. And then the doctor keeps like commenting on their argument and then she eventually mutes him. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that was, that was the closest they got to really doing some fun stuff with that. But then I had, I had two notes in this episode, which is uh, the Tom, Bolana <laughs> and doctor scene is fun. And why didn't they pick up the guns after they shot those guys? when yes. they had been talking for the last scene about how they only had one shot left in their <laughs> phaser they built. And then there's just two guys with who are dead now yep. with working weapons. Yeah. Don't need it. Who needs <laughs> that stuff? No, I know that's the... Um, I find it to be a real shift. We've we talked about it before. I, just, I have a hard time seeing the earlier shows making decisions like that. It, it's something... I'd be curious to know just like what the difference in the rooms are with the production mm. of the shows because it feels Voyager feels like a starting point where they and I know this isn't the case because all the shows that were of this era eventually get like be, behind the like they can no longer keep up with the pace of the scripts that they need to do yeah. so they're always so, falling apart by the end of it when you say what 
what's the different rooms you mean like the writers rooms and not the because I, I for a second i thought you meant the different rooms on this massive spaceship oh, on the space on this spaceship. no the difference in the, <laughs> what's going on in these different rooms on the spaceship and why didn't the episode talk about it uh there's a reptile guy in one of them who wants to trade that's about all i know and one's snowy it's a uh I imagine that was based on Mario 64 when you jump through the different paintings <laughs> into the different worlds and you end up in different places. Love that. Great game. Um, no, I'm talking about the the writer's room because it conceptually it feels like at a certain point after DS9 and with Voyager, it seems to me, because Enterprise continues a lot of it, it feels like, I'm not saying this is the case, but it felt like the show was never again able to pace itself the franchise was never able to pace itself so that it could create scripts that didn't feel like they were forced to churn out something and they were like mm. forced to just come up with a script and it's like I don't know like because reading about the enterprise production that's what it seems like it was is that that Braga gets so behind things you would just say come in and tell me ideas and they would tell writers yeah. would tell him ideas and he's like all right I'm gonna write this and he just every script came out the same way and it felt the same because he's under such a pressure all he can do is just write this thing that he knows is going to work. And Voyager feels like it's getting to that point. There's no, it doesn't feel like the room has any time to sit and go like, what is this about? What's what's going on here? Like, yeah. why, why are we doing this episode? Which kind of episode is it? And so, I don't know. I, I find that to be the most frustrating aspect of Voyager at this point is that it feels like it's a, it's that jumping off point into something that it feels like the franchise never really ever recovers from. Yeah, I, you can you can feel it too in, in every episode as they do as it starts skewing more and more in this direction, you can feel that it's just <clears throat> where, where maybe before you'd get a good idea like this and then they would have some time to kick it around and, and kind of like mold it into some, maybe they don't, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. television production has always been a meat grinder to it, to the point where you, if anything yeah. comes out good, it's a miracle, but yeah, that's um, why you can only have like three great episodes in a season at most, you know, when there's 24, so you're just not going to have that many great episodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like everybody who criticizes Saturday Night Live as being not funny mm-hmm. anymore. It's like, yeah, you remember the five funny things they did 20 years ago. Yeah, right. Among watch watch an 1500 old skits they yeah. did in one year. There's five of them that were great and they yep. you never forget them, but um yeah, uh it's I, it this is one that definitely suffers from that where it feels like pretty good idea. Clearly they wanted to do something with Bellana and Paris, if they had a little bit of time to kind of let it simmer a bit and uh, cook it down a little bit more, um, it might have might have clicked a little bit better. What do you think of the Tom and Bellana relationship? Is this is this make sense? It feels it feels um, sexy. They look great with their cut off shirts in the opening. Yeah. With just a little bit of sweat on the, on the, <laughs> the neck. No, I liked, it, her, fe- I liked her bit of business with the bat left where she's like swinging it around and it's sort of like uh, going by his face. It's cute. It's yeah. That Star stuff Trek was good. Was, like I, I yeah. think the, the, at the beginning they were doing some of that stuff was pretty good, but like, I don't, I, I don't feel like this is a relationship that people were clamoring for to happen or anything. It, it feels very, uh, uh, hand of the writer or hand of the show putting these two together because it's not like I don't know I just I if you had told me Paris and Bellana got together I'd be like oh okay sure if you had said Paris and Kess got together I'd be like oh, okay well that makes a little bit more sense but sure is but, it, yeah is it a 
I see their relationship as, and tell me if the show did this at all. I, I don't really remember. I feel it to be the kind of story about a relationship where they are at each other's throats and then eventually fall in love. Like Paris annoys Bolana oh, sure. in a way. Yeah. You know, did, did they, is that the way this worked out? Is that how this is? I don't think so. I don't, they don't spend that much time together on screen. Right. You know, like this, if, if, if these two actors had been on screen together a lot and they were like, wow, these two actually have really good chemistry. Maybe we should, you know, keep them together. Pair them up. More. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think they hardly ever share screen time for the first three seasons. Like at yeah. least, uh, <clears throat> I, I think what's missing is Paris has fallen so far from the spotlight of the show that it's, it just seems like they're giving him something to do. Whereas in the first two seasons, he was kind of, he was a little bit more front and center. There's, there was a lot more played into his sort of, um, roguish charms. Yeah. And his, his, uh, you know, he had Shea Fook going where he's like, this yeah. is where I go to hang out to avoid all my commitment issues. Never. And, and so when they brought, they kind of bring Kess into the equation, then it, it's actually creating a character conflict which feels a lot more natural but with Bolana it's just like yeah she's there he's there i guess we can put these two together like it, i almost think it would be more interesting if it was harry and Bolana yeah. because like there's <laughs> there be him. at least yeah there'd be a weird like <laughs> dominant and submissive yeah, kind there, of thing going on <laughs> <laughs> i'd be down for that i think that's the kind of spice that they would need yeah i cuz i so you would do you even do you even think there's a baseline, no matter how well they executed it, that the thing is supposed to be that he is the annoying rogue that irritates Bolana, but she falls in love with him? Is that anything that's going on here? It just it no, it just feels like they're both shitty to each other. Like okay. they're just playing the That's the real life episode. <laughs> yeah. They're just they're just playing the uh flirting by being uh, not getting along right antagonistic and, and I, I honestly i think i think what would make this more interesting to me is if they had chosen a point of view to tell the story from whereas whereas i was saying in the first two first couple seasons you kind of get the tom point of view following him as he's developing feelings for kess i think it would be right. interesting to follow balana as she Feel, realizes she's developing feelings for Paris instead of just sort of being like an objective, you know, viewer. Because right. that way, Bolana has this um, fire to her and uh, she's kind of abrasive and she's kind of standoffish. And so to see her soften a bit and kind of fight against that from her point of view is is it is at least a bit more interesting than just kind of playing it down the middle with both of them being jerky. What's stopping them from being together at this point? Just the fact that they don't, I don't realize know. it, you know, I, like, I guess that's my problem with it is that there's, there's nothing that prevents it from happening. So the relationship is kind of weird that it's not already a thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's because in the storyline I'm thinking of the reason that they don't immediately get together and that there's this tension is because they don't like each other at the start and they, right. they kind of don't like each other, but they do like each other here. Yeah. Like they, it's not that they don't like each other. They're just, they're just kind of snippy with each a, other. A, a in, in a friendly they're, way. They're, yeah. Their personalities kind of clash, but they, it's not like 
there, there's been no scene where Paris and Harry are having a drink or something, and Paris is like, can you fucking believe this lady? She, <laughs> you know, or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. There's never been a scene where Bellana talks about how shitty Paris is. Yes. Remember that season he was honestly, late all the time? Which one? She should have brought the season where he was late all the time. That was like his, yeah. his, <laughs> the second season. That's how they knew he was a mole or whatever, is he was just constantly late, and it pissed her off. Bring honestly, back. what they should do, probably is they should pro and maybe they will do this I don't know but they should probably put Harry in the middle of it because right. Harry works with her and he's yep. Paris's best friend so I feel like it's a layup to do an episode where you're following Harry as he gets caught in between Torres barking about <laughs> Paris at work and Paris barking <laughs> about Torres while they're hanging out at the you know club yeah. Fook. yeah it ends in just Harry having a like a schism in his mind and he just starts screaming at people about how he doesn't he doesn't doesn't need this and, and while really and while they are arguing with each other the ship can be falling into a a time tunnel a, a that sends them to the old west or something i don't know <laughs> that's right yeah just well they'll it'll it'll start with a shuttle crash right yeah. they'll be on a shuttle uh-huh. that'll crash and then there will be, be a, some que- some strange sensor readings that they'll investigate an an anomaly a spatial anomaly that no one's ever seen before but it's blue (laughs) (laughs) then they'll crash the shuttle into it and that'll be that'll be the episode and then they'll discover they'll discover that it's that the anomaly is actually uh matching the way that the neurons in harry kim's brain are firing right and so in order to just to 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 separate them uh, they realize that Torres and Paris need to come together to calm his brain down. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I think that to de- further develop uh, the Janeway and Chakotay thing, when when J- when Chakotay fires the photon torpedo that saves the day at the end of the episode, <laughs> his, his hand kind of brushes Janeway's ass, and they just look at each other, and then we cut to black, and that's the end, okay? Just to, just to rekindle that passionate, sure. <laughs> passionate romance that was in the show. Oh. Poor Voyager. The dinosaur episode was pretty good. <laughs> sure, yeah. <What's- laughs> they they kept. I feel like they kept the uh, the base layer of the dinosaur makeup to use again in this episode with the with the guy from next door. I actually really liked that yeah. guy when he showed up. When he was the just act- like, "Hey, the, the alien actor. hey, prison yeah. neighbor." <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, the lizard, the lizard people. Yeah, he wants to trade, right? He wants to give get food or something. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know. Because the I, I feel like the uh, the alien that shows up in the first place the dis, like the displacing alien is kind of mm. an actor I feel like I recognize but yes I I've definitely him. seen that guy before I, he I, we've probably seen him on Star Trek before he's got yeah, a very probably. Star Trek face yeah what'd you think of the alien outfits they're kind of funny I, yeah. they all wear they all wear the same things looked um to those like snood hats yeah just have little uh, little pointy hats on. It would be nice if I knew what they wanted Voyager to do. Maybe yeah. they said that. Anyway. You know, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we both just completely <laughs> zoned out and our eyes rolled into the back of our heads for a second, but I it's one of I think this is one of those ones where you could probably get away with giving less information and yeah. and keeping the just mystery have it be a mystery as to why yeah. this is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where like they don't know where the fuck they are or who these people are cuz like once once Janeway and two so first of all this is stupid, but it was really bothering me that the aliens went onto Voyager ship and 
immediately knew how to use the interface on Voyager. And then yeah. Tuvok and Janeway pull up the interface for this completely alien language ship and Tuvok is just like, oh, I know how to do this. This is yeah, easy. That was that was that was a weird Voyager thing where he's like, hold on, let me crack their security. Yeah. He touches like three buttons and he's in and it's like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Yeah, that was I, I, you've kind of reminded me, I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, I thought Janeway was kind of strange in this episode. When the Janeway start was com- out for blood at the end, and I was kind of, I was kind of here for it, frankly. But. She, I, I, I thought when the aliens started appearing, she was, she, she was so certain that they were up to something that it was like, oh, the aliens are actually up to something because Janeway is so sure that they are up to something. And it yeah. just struck me as really, it's like Janeway. Let's have a little. It, it felt very similar to whatever that episode was where they came across the uh, destroyed space station, and she was like, "Someone killed them. Someone did this. We have to go find them." It's like, well, it could have been an accident, you yeah. know? Like something, something could have gone wrong. She seems very sure about things that are turned out to be right. Yeah, and uh, then at the end, they, like they kind of flip the switch on her a bit, and she gets that, you know, uh, yeah. angry, not angry, but. Um, cold-blooded mm-hmm. uh Janeway look in her eye where she's gonna leave that dude to die in the mm-hmm. in, in the, the cold. ice <laughs> i it, like it for, for some reason i just kept thinking of the final shot of the departed when matt yes. damon comes home walks in and and looks at Wahlberg, and he's just like okay and then boom just <laughs> popped in the head that's definitely something janeway would do i um we watched The Departed quite a bit now. I, I was The Departed you, is a movie as a I'm, family. You just gather around to watch me and the Amy. Departed me and Amy certainly and the kids. certainly do. The kids, the kids might have to go to bed. But mm-hmm. the, the Departed, I'm I'm happy to admit, I was very wrong about The Departed when it came out. It was it was a great example of I just didn't get what the movie was trying to do, and I was like, this is not a good interesting I, movie. I have been interested to watch it again because I I really liked it the first time, and then I watched it again maybe like a couple years later and I didn't like it at all. So, and that's the last time I've seen it. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious to give it the, uh, the, the tiebreaker. It's just so funny. I I didn't appreciate how funny it was in like the first time I saw it. Cause I was expecting more of like a serious Scorsese, like Goodfellas casino thing. Oh, sure. And it's not that at all. Yeah. Just it's, it's closer. Well, it's not quite as goofy as like Wolf of Wall Street or something, but. No, it's sort of a, a halfway point. Between my favorite, I, I don't know if I've brought this up if we've talked about The Departed before, but my favorite detail in that movie <clears throat> is during the montage where Matt Damon is going through like state trooper school. They they very clearly make it a point to show the poster explaining what blowback is when you get shot in mm-hmm. the head. <laughs> and so then because at the end of the movie, everyone just keeps getting shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> their brains just keep flying out all over the place. That's uh, it's like foreshadowing, man. He told you it was coming. <laughs> I found that stuff really disturbing the first time I watched it. Everybody getting shot in the face and their heads exploding. I, yeah. so I found it strangely disturbing, more so than most movies. Well, that, that's the thing I didn't like about it at the end, too, because the, the end is so... You know, if you're not prepared for it, you're just like, everyone just fucking dies. That's yeah. it. Like, every, this, the whole thing is just, this, this is the way that it goes. And it's like, um, it, it feels more disappointing, I guess, The first, if you're unprepared for it. When, you, when you're ready for it, you're like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. And it kind of makes sense. Like, this is the logical thing that's going to happen to them. Mm. Anyway, 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the patrons for joining the stream today. We're going to go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show and you want to watch the live streams there, leave comments, do all the post-show stuff. You get extra podcasts. There's like 100 podcasts, 200 podcasts, excuse me. Oh, boy. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Head over there, support the show, get extra stuff, and you can join this live stream. And that's it, Clay. We're going to go to patron comments. I'm going to open up your little Discord window. If you guys are at Patreon and you're at the Fat Doll level, you can leave thoughts about upcoming episodes on Patreon. Thoughts about upcoming episodes on Patreon, and then we read them on the show. I'm going to send you the first one, Clay, so I can get ready here. This is Kyle Barrett with Displaced. Displaced. You'd think by now they'd program the computer to alert them when someone vanishes from the ship vanishes from the ship rather than having to ask it to locate them. The storytelling perspective really gives the game away this episode. We don't see where these aliens come from or where the crew disappears to, so it's obvious what's really happening. It's a novel way to tell a ship takeover story, but nothing more. I wish it was about Janeway recognizing that Starfleet generosity can be an issue in the Delta Quadrant. Maybe the ship needs to change how it operates. That actually would be kind of interesting. But there's no such larger point made. Bolana is far too good for Tom. He's the one who needs to change, not her. And I know when to quit might as well be Chakotay's personal mantra. <laughs> An unenthusiastic three aliens wearing the same weird hats as Palpatine's advisors from Return of the Jedi out of five. Palpatine has advisors in Return of the Jedi? I know he's got the red guard guys. I don't remember his advisors, though. I don't know. That was I, I would have accepted that at face value, I think, uh, just because... It's not, yeah. I mean, Return of the Jedi is the third movie, right? The original, right? Yeah. Original I mean, movie. I'm I'm not going to question Kyle. Kyle's Kyle's knowledge of the Star Wars universe, but no, I just no. don't remember those guys. If he's wrong, extremely embarrassing for him, though. Yeah, but we wouldn't do that to him. We wouldn't expose him like that. This is Norman Buckwald with displaced fun and yet a very pedestrian episode at the same time. But his mindless action Trek style fun, it does fine enough, and I don't actually have much to complain about. Boy, Tuvok was able to read and understand the computer so easily. And considering what this race is doing, you'd think Voyager would have to stick around a bit while the other races get their people and maybe even ships back after the fact. Three shivering, mostly old, small guys in weird hats out of five. That's that's what small. the thing I was thinking of when they when they started. <clears throat> kind of what I'm talking about about how this would might work better if they explained less, because yes. when Janeway at the end is like we've contacted all of the other races so they can come and pick their people up. I'm like, where are these people from? Yeah. Where are have we? the, have these people, the, the reptile guy said he's been on the ship for nine years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where are yep. his people from? Yep. You know, as soon as they keep peeling back the layers of the onion and it's just, it, it's just you start bringing crying. up more questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You start crying after a while. Yeah, yeah, you start tearing up. Uh, but it's it, it's weird because like as soon as she's like, "We're on a spaceship," my mind goes, "This is a fucking gigantic spaceship." Yep, so right. what yes, is yeah. the point of this? Where are they going? And it's just I think it's giving you too much information. Like having coming to the realization they're on a spaceship, and like that being the end of it could be interesting because it's like, "Whoa, what is going on here?" It, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll never know, but it's kind of crazy. Um, but that yeah, would work well. Know. That would work well if the, you know, I because I, I judging from the log line again, I thought this was kind of going to be like a invasion of the body snatchers thing. Mm-hmm. Like people were being removed, but there was like a copy on the ship that you're like, what the what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And it's not that. And I think that it would be helpful if they if we knew less about this group and they were creepier 
than they are because they're kind of goofy. Like they have silly little hats and they're kind of friendly. Like they talk like normal people. You know, there's nothing sinister about these aliens that come onto the ship. Except they keep asking you to turn the heat up, which is always yeah. a bad sign. Yeah. I in in the reality of Star Trek, I feel like every episode of the new alien, they should be like, it's kind of cold in here. And they go, no, we think it's actually kind of hot. And they, they should just debate <laughs> the temperature for, for five minutes every time they meet the new alien. Kensito says displaced. Displaced. This is a fairly forgettable episode, but I did start wondering halfway through if the writers were trying to make a statement in support of white replacement theory, an unusually conservative <laughs> point of view for Star Trek. I don't know. They didn't. Um, was a no very chanting. was a very white ship they were they were transported onto. There it was, yeah. The the lizard guy and, and all that. Why does it keep going back up? Don't go back up. Go down to Tax Owl Bear. I'll read this one just because it's short. Displaced, neither the initial mystery nor the solution are all that interesting. But the idea of having evil aliens, which in a certain way are also benevolent, has something. Not the height of Star Trek moral discourse, but entertaining enough. Why is it doing this? This is very weird. It keeps jumping up to the top. So now we have Royo, which I will send to you while I figure out why my control F is is leaving me stranded here. Displaced. Royo. Displaced. One of those rare episode concepts I wished I saw on Enterprise instead, since Captain Archer was regularly paranoid and xenophobic along with much of the Earth Center crew. Tensions would have been high at the start, and we'd at least question if Archer was right to be suspicious and hostile to aliens appearing on the ship, with T'Pol and Phlox acting as the minority opinion for the Roddenberry ideal. <clears throat> Instead, it happens on the xenophilic Voyager, whom welcomes mm-hmm. their alien Trojan horse refugee, so it feels like not much is being said or commented upon. Way too tame for its own good. Two out of five. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the the mysterious appearing of things could be. A, it is probably more of an an enterprise episode, I think, in that way. I agree. Displaced Matt Ross says, "I liked how this started out with everyone being." <laughs> sorry, I liked how this started out with everyone being replaced. We sort of <laughs> saw this earlier, except it was with dead bodies. Here, it's weird that the crew is not more wary, but it seems semi plausible. The habitats and the large ship for storage uh, indicate. Re, I think it reminds me of the TV show The Star Lost, but it seems like a lot of effort to get a few ships. The over were they after the ships? Is that what they want? I guess maybe the I overlay mean, of Voyager. They took over Voyager, so I guess they must have wanted it. Yeah, they must want the ships. Yeah, obviously, the overlay of Voyager's database to take over the bad guys is a stretch to me, and it wraps up too quickly. I like the aliens playing dumb, and we were pleased that and were was pleased that they were that they preferred cookie hats. <laughs> Cookie has as opposed to stylish vests. Three switcheroos out of five. Three comments written on your phone out of five. <laughs> uh, this is Poindexter G with displaced. Although Matt had one. Oh, I was thinking the um in this in the they were keeping the aliens in the car the like the cargo bay the storage place on the ship mm-hmm. on Voyager. Yeah. Why did the aliens all take out little blankets? Was that necessary? Was that just to, to throw a void off the trail? Oh, maybe they were cold. Yeah. Yeah, because when uh, Neelix came in, the guy was like, can you turn the heat up? Did he have a blanket on him? <clears throat> I don't remember. I just I thought they I were know. sleeping on the blankets. Maybe they, they were huddled in the blankets. Why? They knew so much about Voyager, but they didn't know the temperature of the ship, which would seems to be important to them. 
Why didn't the aliens in, in uh, signs realize they were trying to take over a planet that was 75% water? It's true. Because the metaphor is more important than the logistics. That's why. The logistics, yeah. Until which only, get, which yeah, is only true if you have a metaphor. Yes. <clears throat> this is point next to G with uh, Displaced, which I just sent to you. Displaced. The aliens establish partway through the episode that they can change the order of who is removed from Voyager when the scientist decides to remove Bolana. That means that they decided that Chakotay was absolutely the last important person <laughs> on Voyager. Least important, yeah. Least important person. It was a fun little episode for a while. It's a bit of a letdown that Tuvok and Janeway basically just hack into the alien computer. I did think that was very funny when the guy when she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm moving you right to the top of the list, honey." <laughs> <laughs> he turns the little dial. See you later. This is Grappler John Zorn with Displaced. Huh? Well written and well structured. Characters in their lanes, a threat we haven't seen before. Some decent Bolana scenes. Not too much Neelix. Is it possible the Voyager just had way too many characters for its writers to know what to do with? Four out of five. What do you think? Does Voyager have too many characters? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, do no. they have that? I don't think they have that many more than any other. Stuff if they do, show. it's it's one maybe. Yeah. If if they do have the largest cast, it's maybe by one. Um, no, I just i I just think they they don't know what to do with a lot of the characters. Mm. Uh, Changeling says displaced. This episode feels like a DS9 and Voyager writers swapped places. Instead of padding the runtime with techno babble, they just have a few character moments: one with Tuvok and Chicote, and a couple with Paris and Torres. Just adding these little things make you care about the characters and invested and get invested in them escaping. It isn't a great episode, but if this becomes the standard, I'm all for it. Four marchers with tiki torches shouting, "Nerians will not replace us!" <laughs> out of five. I got good news for you. It does become the norm in the next series. <laughs> <laughs> Join us two years ago, as yep. we talked about Enterprise. Sorry, I'm just now in the future. Really fucking the past has occurred. Uh, or to, I'll read this one. You can have the next one. Artorius says, Displaced. For a second there, I thought I was going to get Die Hard 2 with Robert Picardo reprising his role as John McClane. Oh, there we go. Instead, I got a very rushed version of The Great Escape. I felt like this should have been a two-part episode based on the pacing. Hmm. So I don't know how I feel about Paris and Bolana. As far as Star Trek relationships go, there have been worse. But has there been better? Two displaced aliens out of five. Is I guess that brings up an interesting question. Is Bolana and... Paris is that pairing any more um, out of left field than say Worf and Dax? Um, well, they had set up Dax to be very interested in Klingon culture. That was like that was like a Dax trait before Worf even arrived. True. Um, Worf is a character who is innately jealous and the Trill thing played into that quite frequently because she mm -hmm. had all this experience that he didn't know what she was talking about. Um, and they're just very different personalities from each other in a mm -hmm. way that I thought was believable. Because uh, is there a better Trek relationship than those two? Because they're my favorite romantic relationship by far, those two. It's probably, the, it's probably the most successful, yeah. Yeah. Did you... I mean, you don't count like Riker and Troy is fine, I guess, but even even that, I don't really know if they knew what the hell they were to do with them. Yeah, but. that's. I'm glad that they. <clears throat> I'm glad that that relationship stayed where it was and it never became a thing. I I feel that 
like Bellana and Paris feel like a sex swapped version that's watered down of Worf and Dax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, that's that's not not quite as hot. Not quite as hot as those couple days in between series with Beverly and Picard when they were yeah. both in their seventies. Yeah, <laughs> getting hot under the waterfall, making babies. But, yeah, menopause has been pushed into your nineties, I guess, at the twenty fourth century. <laughs> this is David Knox with the comment I just sent to you. <clears throat> Interesting parallel to Die Hard is the last crew member to disappear before Chakotay is Gennaro. Oh, interesting. uh, John McClane's wife in Die Hard goes by her maiden name of Gennaro. In Mm. the beginning, they beam a guy off in order. Sorry. In the beginning, they beam a guy off in a corridor and Janeway without being physical near them, physically near them. Why do they take so long to beam the last part of the crew and Chakotay in the end? That was a difficult sentence for me <laughs> why is that <laughs> people writing their comments on the phones is why, a combination of type why so and... long beam last at end <laughs> why do they come with phasers to the bridge just to wait an hour until you beam everyone off when they find the transporter on the alien ship all they say is it can only beam one off at a time they don't say how long it takes mm-hmm. what do you think if they beam everyone off except the doctor because he's holographic I I was a little surprised. We're on the same wavelength there. Yeah, I was surprised to see the doctor in the the group there because I was like, "What? Why even bother?" Yeah, uh, he could. Chico John he picked Mc- up his emitter. He just took him with him. He's like, "Doctor, no. we're we're all going to this location." He could be the John McClane character on Voyager, causing problems, and the crew on the other ship tries to escape. Then in the end, combine the two arcs and have them work together to solve the problem. I'm going to give it three out of five. Uh, I love Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood. Oh, thank you. But people tell me reading comics is childish and that I should be reading real books. <laughs> That's what they call a backhand comment there at the end. Um, wh- why they keep the... Um, what the hell is it? They keep... The, wh- wh- have we come up with a name for the new holodeck program? Would they keep the they keep that resort thing apparently just running all the time because that, that guy yeah. beams into it at the at that well point. but that just means that the person who he took the place of was in there so maybe no, they, there was a guy do they, going down do they, to, no 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 that's not true because when someone got beamed off they appeared on the bridge that's you're right yes you're right they it, just is, it is no, it is no one-to-one location yes you're right yeah so they just keep it running yeah that guy was very happy to be on voyager at that time um Next comment. Sorry, I uh, the one thing that I was thinking, as soon as it happened, like maybe twice, why didn't they put the shields up? Isn't the whole thing that you can't beam through the shields? Yeah, I guess they get around. They say they have some nonsense about it's not a transporter, right? Don't they? They oh, say yeah, it's some sure. sort of whatever. Whatever. Why didn't Chakotay set the self destruct? What's he doing? Just running around setting things on fire, like blow the ship up. I was thinking that when when he was like sabotage as many things as you can, and I'm sure the other guy was like sabotage as blowing this baby to smithereens, honey. <laughs> Finally, I could take my place of work down with me. Chicote <laughs> just running down the hallway, and guys are just like pissing on the walls of Voyager. He's like, "Good job, Gennaro." <laughs> are you are you writing? <laughs> In human feces on the wall? How does that help that's, us? That's a promotion, crewman. 
Uh, Changeling responded to that comment from David by saying, when I was 10, I read fairy tales in secret and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I'm 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the, the desire to be very grown up. Oh. C.S. Lewis. That's a good, uh, good response to that line. Uh, you just read one, right? So this is I Hat did, yeah. with this comment displaced. Upon rewatch, I think there's a lot more to offer in this episode than some may take away on first viewing. Do tell. One, this is a decent setup for the Tom and Bellano romance coming up in season four. Two, I really like seeing other crew members on Voyager getting some action. Nice. Whereas most episodes, it feels like it's just the senior officers that are on the ship. Three, Chicote takes command and thus has something to do. Four, there was an above average quantity of locations and set pieces which felt fresh. With that said, the alien plot needed a little more to say for me to rate this as a great episode. Perhaps the plot could have mirrored the Tom and Bolana character development in some way, like you'll see in the episodes like The Gift in season four. Three out of five. I'll read this one too. Jaron Hatch says, Displaced. I'm not sure if this is an official category, but there's such a thing as a, quote, competent, above-average Star Trek, end quote. This episode is the poster child. A fun but silly sci-fi dilemma? Check. Decent character moments in lieu of any strong theme? Check. An average script bolstered by solid execution? Check. A well-paced, entertaining hour of TV that doesn't leave much of an impact when it's over? Check. Voyager might not swing for the fences, but boy, does it know how to get on base. 3.5 funny hats distracting us from a lack of alien makeup out of five the next comment is from jonas I like, I like that the definition of a of a solid episode of star trek is leaves no impression whatsoever yeah yeah <clears throat> so many episodes leave no impression whatsoever this is jonas with displaced displaced why didn't the nereans remove the ship's crew by rank from highest to lowest Poindexter G suggests that they only realized that they could manipulate the removal order halfway through the episode, but hadn't they already used information from Voyager's computer to create the perfect habitat and replicator menu for Voyager's crew? Was the ship's roster not available as information for download? Nope. The Nereans call the Voyager crew humans. What the, what the balls are the Nereans, if not humans? <laughs> they don't even have one forehead wrinkle. Just identical snail shell hats, 3.5 out of 5. Yeah, they really drop missed an opportunity to have them take those hats off and it just be like a monster brain or something oh i, you know? I, I, I thought you were gonna say the voyager crew takes their hats and the aliens can no longer tell who's a human and who's an alien oh, because they're go. wearing they're wearing the hat that would be good too yeah <laughs> i wonder if the episode's ever done that where it really probably not that it plays up that the fact that the humans look exactly like these aliens and they can get away with it that seems that seems like a TOS thing, if it's anything. If any if any show did it, it would be TOS that would do that. Isn't there a couple episodes of TNG where like Riker goes down to a planet and he's just wearing a vest and like a no? Uh, they usually a make a forehead shirt. wrinkle. Yeah, they just, usually give at least him a forehead one, wrinkle or yeah. like a giant thumb or something that, yeah, that <laughs> denotes him as an alien. Uh, this is Samuel S. says, I've never seen a Star Trek episode lose so much steam in such a short time. The first half of this one is great. We get a compelling mystery and constant tension as we wait to see who on Voyager will be swapped out next. The show follows up this exciting start with Tom Paris using the toxic nice guy quote, I just want to be your friend line to gaslight Torres when he's clearly interested in more than that. Pair that up with 15 minutes of people walking through dark hallways and that's the episode. Two hats that make all the aliens look like the Pope out of five <laughs> i'll read this one too christian Pouch says the first half of this episode is fantastic with lots of tension and fearing the unknown unfortunately the second half feels very much 
It feels like a very different episode with a rushed conclusion and no examination of the repercussions to anyone. Still, the first half carries it for me. Also, Tom and Bellana act a bit like kids, but it's not unwatchable and at least has something going on. Three out of five. And our final comment is from Woodrow, who just says three out of five. Displaced. Thank you very much, everybody, for leaving what, your thoughts on Patreon. What if you ran into a spaceship and it was full of popes? Like it was an alien race. Like, but they were, like our popes? Yes, they were all Catholic popes. What would I Think do? Think about it. Well, I'm just, I can't I can't come up I can't yeah. come up with a joke. There was something about mind protection when you go over there. I don't know what else we could do. I mean, who's, I guess who's the if it was Voyager, pope? if it was Voyager, you could just be happy there's no kids on board, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Who's That's the true. greatest pope? Who's the greatest pope in history? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's, your, who's think, on your Mount Rushmore of popes? <laughs> I think generally Gregor the <clears> second <throat> is generally considered pretty good, I think. I think generally uh, the first half of them were pretty uh, corrupt politicians. And then after mm-hmm. that, most of them turned a blind eye to genocides of one form or another. So I think uh, the, the the last three have been pretty solid, except for the one who might have been a Nazi. Who Yeah, fired. Benedict. People didn't like yeah. Benedict. He, that dude yeah. looked like the fucking emperor from Star Wars. He did. He had a, he had a, good, he had a good evil Creepy, creepy guy. Yeah. 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 Who's it? What's the guy? Is it's, it Francis, it's Francis now? now. Yeah, he seems Pope like a Francis. pretty good dude as far as popes go. Yeah, what is, what's special? He's the first Latin American one, I think. Something, I, something yeah, like I think that. so. Yeah. yeah, so. Seems pretty open to yeah, he's new ideas. He, he, he's not, he's not, he's not, insa- he's, not a, he's not a fucking insane person, as Deadwood <laughs> would say. I, I wish I could remember the name of the, I, I'm sure I could Google it and find it relatively quickly, but I can't remember how I came across this, but I, there's this amazing story from like the middle ages or maybe like the late middle ages just post i forget where um they actually dug up the body of a dead pope who had been dead for like 10 years (laughs) and put him on trial which included putting him on the witness stand it's one of the most amazing (laughs) stories i've ever heard in my life and it was all just you know obviously all for show or whatever but uh it's a good story i can't remember what it's what what, what 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 you gotta do you got to take that Pope down a few notches. All right, now I need to know. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. As Clay looks up the Pope who is propped up and put on trial, I'm going to say support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to or if you're so inclined. You get to leave comments about upcoming episodes. You can watch these live streams. You can leave your comments that we'll answer after this. Remember, there's going to be a YouTube-only episode where we answer a couple questions after this, and it's going to be popping up. In a couple days after this goes live. All right, I got it. You got it. The, the Cadaver Synod, also called the Cadaver Trial, is the name commonly given to the ecclesiastical trial of Pope Formosus, who mm. had been dead for about seven months in the Basilica of St. John Lateran in Rome during January 897. The trial was conducted by Pope Stephen VI, the successor uh, to for- this is this is my eyes are going cross eyed. Uh, Stephen had Formosus' corpse exhumed and brought to the papal court for judgment. He accused Formosus of perjury, of having ex- uh, acceded to the papacy illegally and illegally presiding over more than one diocese at the same time. At the wow. end of the trial, Formosus was pronounced guilty, and his papacy was retroactively declared null. So wow. he made it his entire life as the pope, and then after he died, he got accused of uh, uh, getting there illegally 
And so they dug him up, put him on trial, convicted him, and then said, "You're you were never the Pope." Yeah, this is um, maybe that that's where our American thing about a right to a speedy trial came from because that was they waited too long for the, for that trial. I think that could have that could have happened sooner. It's a great over great such painting. a minor. He, I'll send he, you the painting. He read or he ran two dioceses, which is the greatest sin that is possible. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Looks pretty good. Yeah, seven months. Not too bad. They dressed him up. Yeah. Was he buried in that or did they dress him up for the occasion? Thanks, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, do you have anything? Oh, I guess we got to review what we think. The the patrons. Oh, yeah. What's the average there? The patrons probably gave it three, I think. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, say, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So what are you going to give it? Yeah, I'm a three. I think I'm a, I think I'm a low... <sighs> No, I think I'm a solid three on this one. I think it could have been better. I think there's a couple things to kind of keep your attention, but it's not really, it's not really uh, uh, doing much for me. Yeah, I'll give it a two. I think yeah. I, I needed it to pick a lane, and it didn't choose. It just split it down the middle, and it's like both of these lanes are cluttered up, and yeah. not something I want I, to drive on. I think my three is mostly the first half because yeah. the second half, once it just, I, I honestly just kind of like was doing this yeah in my head as i'm watching him because i'm like all right what are we getting to what is this about and then it's like oh there's it's not about anything it's just yeah getting the shit back great yep yeah so i'll give it a two clay will give it a three and that's displaced that feels like a theme of the season although you not that you gave all threes but it's it's been kind of just that kind of a thing yeah only two more left in the season clay and then we're done then i was surprised i feel like we've been We've been here for uh, in, a long time. In this season for uh for a long time. This is the year yeah. of hell. This is this is our year of hell. Year of hell comes next season in Voyager. It'll be nice to get seven in there. And I I think I think the general consensus is that the show does change a little bit uh in season four. It, there are some episodes in season four that I recognize and go like, oh, that that can't be all that bad because that's that's a famous episode. So is that's it. I know I've asked this question a billion times. Is Kess, is it a one-to-one replacement, Kess and Seven, or is Kess on the show for a little bit before Seven, I mean, after Seven shows up? Kess is out in the second episode of the fourth season. Gotcha. So it's okay. there's a one episode of, two episodes of overlap between the two of them. Cool. So that's it. Can't have Thanks. two blonde ladies two on women. the show. No, yeah. no, absolutely not. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening to the show. We'll have more to say about Kess, obviously, because we've, they ran out of uh, cast time. There's just nothing left. But that's it. Patreon.com slash the Pensacal if you want to support the show. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, check out Ron Hart Picture Show. We are doing video nasties this year on Patreon. We just did Dario Argento's Inferno, which is his follow-up to Suspiria, which is a pretty fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on a bit of a hiatus for Bat-Ass currently, but we'll be back soon with uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which I'm excited about. <clears throat> and the final issue of... Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker comes out in October. So, uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind picking that up, and that would be, I'd be much obliged. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Right now, we're going to go to our post show question answer segment. Is this like that on YouTube? Oh, just like, just like real time with Bill Maher. It is, yeah. I have my little cards (laughs) that I'm going to slap on the table and. Throw them when I'm done. I have no thoughts about nuclear proliferation, so don't even ask. (laughs)
That's a hard <laughs> one to say. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This was Displaced. We'll be back with Worst Case Scenario, which is the next episode of Voyager. Until then, we will see you.